It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to this episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator and host of this multi-award winning show. And it's my aim in every episode to help you to find ways to improve your e-commerce business. This is the second of our 2021 e-commerce growth series sponsored by Clavio, and I know it's one of your favourites. Yes, this is one of our experts' episodes. I spent the end of 2020 getting the opinions of e-commerce thought leaders from around the globe about both what we learned from 2020 and their top tips for success in 2021. Now, you're going to have to wait till the end of this month to find out what they're predicting you need to work on in 2021 for success. But right here, right now, you can find out what they're taking as the key lessons from 2020. And boy, is there a lot here. Well, there was a lot, a lot, a lot going on in 2020, wasn't there? Plenty to learn from. And the good news is that whilst we are looking back at 2020, there's an awful lot here that's going to help you to be more successful in 2021. Right, coming up, you are going to hear from some of the world's top e-commerce podcasters. Yes, I have been making friends with my peers. You're also going to hear from some of the world's top e-commerce consultants and coaches, uh, and also some of those awesome people who work for your favourite software programmes. Now, obviously, an awful lot happened in 2020 and an even bigger amount seemed to happen in e-commerce and retail in 2020. So my guests for this episode had plenty to draw on. Broadly, their tips fall into these content areas. Uh, Resilient retail, marketing and selling, omnichannel and the offline online amalgamation, I suppose. Uh, Risk mitigation, that's a big topic coming up. Backend systems, including couriers. And all of this with a big dose of look after and learn from your customers. The insight is about to come thick and fast at you. So you're going to be glad to know that we've put lots of links to the things mentioned and our experts, um, plus a few free resources that they've uh, been kind enough to make available to you. We put all of that plus the full transcript of the episode. Yes, every word that's spoken in a written um, PDF that you can download and read later. That is all in the show notes. And you will find those on our website at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. Go there, look for this episode, and that's where you will find all that stuff to help you make the most of what's coming up. Right, we're about to get stuck into it. But before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Clavio will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash master plan. Right then, we've got lots of themes and lots of experts coming up. So let's get started with Jessica Totillo Costa. She is from the top podcast, E-Commerce Badassery. The e-commerce industry is still in its infancy and there is tremendous room for growth. 
when you are in the business, you feel consumed by it. And it's easy to assume that everyone else is too, right? We think everyone is shopping online already. But the increases we saw in e-commerce when brick and mortar shut down shows us that it's still a very small percentage of all retail revenue in the scheme of things. Now, I don't think brick and mortar is ever going to truly go away. There are some products that no matter how hard you try, you won't be able to replicate that buying experience. And there's actually just the joy of shopping as an activity. I like to go shopping with my friends, family. You grab lunch, you peruse the stores, or it's just a way to spend some time with yourself. But there will be and already has been a fundamental shift in the way people shop. And you have a lot of people who are overall just more comfortable shopping online now because they've done it and realized like, hey, this is pretty cool. My credit card is safe. I can keep doing this. And there are a ton of statistics out there, none that I'm going to quote, but the numbers speak to the rate at which e-commerce grew. And it was way beyond what was predicted. And that will likely continue to happen. So we know that it's grown. We can see there's still a lot of room for growth, but what does that actually mean? So I see two major lessons here. The e-commerce space is going to become even more competitive. Not only do I expect more entrepreneurs and D2C brands to pop up in the space because the barrier to entry is so low, but large retailers are going to be shifting their resources to their e-commerce business. If you think about chain retailers who had large brick and mortar presences, they're taking this opportunity to not renew leases and they don't plan on reopening all of their locations. So their physical footprint is going to be smaller, which means they're going to be able to invest more in their e-commerce growth. And the second thing is the technological advances that we've seen. New platforms coming out, partnerships like that of Shopify and Facebook is just the beginning. I expect to see a lot more innovation come out of this pandemic, shifting their focuses in the way that they do business. So if you thought the internet moved quickly before, I would say brace yourself. Wow, what a way to start. And Jessica is totally spot on. 2020 has just shown us how much bigger e-commerce has yet to get. But that, of course, does mean there's going to be plenty of change and pivots to come. And if you're interested in improving your tech stack, then do check out our episode on just that that went live yesterday on our sister podcast, Keep Optimizing. And that's an episode we've recorded with one of the guests coming up later in this episode, Derek Haney. Okay, Jessica mentioned that competition is going to increase. So how on earth do we deal with that? Well, we get better at our marketing and plenty of our experts had reflections on 2020 that relate to marketing. We'll kick that off with Ian Hammersley from Smart E-Business. He's also one half of the Hammersley brothers and he reflects on the huge demand changes we all saw in 2020. So the biggest thing we learned or saw in 2020 was the opportunity to recruit new customers was huge. You know, we were seeing really game-changing growth for for lots of e-commerce businesses. Um, I mean, initially, it was anything that was in or around the home did incredibly well. Um, But then, latterly, during the lockdown, um, it was was all e-commerce businesses, even even clothing and fashion ones that you, things you were wearing to go out because 
there were less people wanting those products, but there were much less places to buy them because they couldn't get them on the high street. So it was um, it was an unrivaled year for e-commerce growth, and it manifested itself through a, a very strong return on ad spend um, and a very strong conversion rate. So, you know, it was it was time that you really could push your budgets of recruitment, paid paid traffic much, much further. It was almost like the run up to Christmas every day or Black Friday every day. And the emotion behind it for online consumers was that they had an element of scarcity and an element of urgency. So it's scarcity and urgency were the things that were driving them to buy online. You know, they didn't want to miss out that um, that fear of missing out principle. You know, the, the, the scarcity was that they thought the stock was going to go. Um, and the urgency was was really that they needed it because they couldn't get it anywhere else. So and that's really what everybody played on. Um, so but, but fundamentally, it was like Black Friday every day since lockdown started. Black Friday every day. I think that's that's a line which really does sum up 2020 for I know a lot of you. It's been a long, hard slog, 2020. Um, but great recruitment opportunity, of course, if you could get in the stock and then get the stock out to the customers. We'll be coming on to more of that later on. For now, though, let's get a bit more into how the pandemic changed customer behaviour with Rand Fishkin from Spark Toro. Offline behaviour is strongly influential over online behavior. And I know that sounds like an obvious thing, but it is incredibly powerful to see how culture and society, how uh, the situation around us, what we consume and read, what we are living in our day-to-day lives impacts how we behave in the online world. And that includes, you know, obviously the pandemic, it includes elections and politics, it includes uh, our social connections, it includes how platforms change their behaviors and nudge us to change ours. And I think that uh, e-commerce is obviously a huge part of, a huge beneficiary from that this year. And we'll, we'll see what happens next year. Well, we certainly will. Now, 2021 is going to be an interesting one. Interesting, too, to get a perspective from outside our e-commerce world proper there with Rand, because we've certainly been one of the luckier industries. Okay, next up, Cunley Campbell builds on the e-commerce impact of the pandemic and how it's changed what consumers buy online. And if you're not familiar with Cunley's work, he's the host of the 2X e-commerce podcast and an outsourced CMO and advisor. I don't think we can talk about the year 2020 without talking about the pandemic. And the pandemic has not only impacted us from a health and lifestyle standpoint, it has significantly changed shopping habits and, you know, shopping behavior in general. And um, what it did was to reinforce the importance of e-commerce in our lives and it has also helped develop habits in um, in shoppers around the world and consumer habits to say, okay, we can you know buy toilet paper you know online. Um, we yes we, we 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 can you know we used to 
be able to shop for like consumer electronics all the time. We thought the only specific things we could do, um, we could buy, you know, um, online. Now it's it's really really opened up the the the, the range of, um, of of products of things that we we can buy. Whether it's you know services or even um, if you're talking about you know ordering a takeaway from a restaurant, um, a lot of businesses were forced to digitally transform very very rapidly. And I think the one word about 2020 and e-commerce and um, just commerce in general has been digital transformation, rapid digital transformation um, from a shopper behavior standpoint and from a business adoption standpoint. And um, that is the most important thing. We have been forced to rapidly change our habits in all aspects of commerce in 2020. And uh, the next decade is just going to be super exciting and in the world of e-commerce. Well, I think we can all completely agree with Cunley there. The next few years are going to be really interesting, but hold your horses. We are, of course, in this episode supposed to be focused on the lessons we can learn by looking back at 2020. So let's get back to looking back with Corinne Watson from Postscript.io. They do SMS messaging, if you're not familiar with them. Now, I only met Corinne late last year, but she has a really great insight on what's happening. She seems to make an awful lot of sense of it. So I think she's a lady we're going to hear more from in the future and uh, and learn quite a lot from too. But right now, she's going to take us a step further uh, by getting us into how brands were successfully using emotion to drive those sales in 2020. I, I feel like this is actually a pretty easy one to answer. I, I definitely feel as though the most important thing that we learned for e-commerce in 2020 is that empathetic branding means more than ever, uh, matters more than ever. The I was reading an article um, from the New York Times this morning about buzzwords and marketing, and one of them was humaning. It's I, it's something that we've it has been floating around for a while. Um, one of the, the founders of the Oreo brand actually coined it, but it basically is defined as a unique customer-centric approach to marketing. And I think that that definition actually gives it a, a disservice. Uh, I, I feel as though human marketing should not only be applying a customer lens to all of your marketing, it should be applying a customer lens to every single facet of your organization, um, whether that's applying it to your product by asking for feedback or reviews or user-generated content from the people who are shopping with you, um, through to the way that you're communicating with customers. Uh, I We just published our results on the Postscript platform that outlined the success of merchants that used SMS during Cyber Week last week literally hit the presses yesterday. Um, and it's it's pretty remarkable to see how some brands took a lot of time to double down on empathetic communication rather than just like blasting out promotions to their customers. Um, so those are the brands that were doing two-way chat, checking in, sending like nice um, messages to make sure everyone's doing all right, tips and tricks to use the products. Uh, and those were actually the messages that won, um, the ones that saw the highest engagement rates, the ones that had less subscriber churn. Uh, another stat that I thought was really remarkable was that 19% more customers responded to text messages during Cyber Week compared to a comparable period in the fall. Uh, so Cyber Week was definitely a, an area or a time period where customers were eager to communicate with brands. Um, and I know that you said one 
the most important thing, but I would kick myself if I didn't mention that we also learned that retailers and, and brands are really hardy and resilient, uh, especially in the pandemic times, um, especially with brands that aren't really digitally native, that are more brick and mortar. I feel like here in Austin, Texas, uh, every day, or at least every week, I was hearing about a retailer, uh, a local retailer that was really putting boots on the ground and quickly innovating to get their products available online to continue to please their customers, even though we had no idea what was going on, especially at the beginning of COVID times over here. Humanizing. Well, remarkably, the first time I've heard that phrase was as we were recording what um, what you've just heard from Corinne there. So I'm, in, I'm loving that term. Expect me to be saying it an awful lot more in the podcast coming up in the next couple of months. And um, Lucy Bloomfield's going to be touching on it later in this episode too. Right now, though, we're going to get deeper into resilience of retail next. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to say that we've added the links to that New York Times article and the Black Friday roundups that Corin mentioned in the show notes. And you can get them via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you will also find the whole transcript of that this episode. That's a PDF you can download with everything written down. Um, I imagine you're already kind of going, whoa, there's an awful lot here. We've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to make use of it all by making the show notes as, as rich as possible and also giving you that full transcript. So you can go and review that, peruse it as you will. Um, plus, also, you'll find via ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast some great free resources from many of these expert guests we've got on the show for you today. So lots for you in this episode. Right. I think we've got the impact of the pandemic on e-commerce, customers wanting product. We had it um, and that it's been generally good for us. But what it's also happened is it's been a lot harder, as Corinne started to get into there, for those businesses that usually rely on face-to-face selling via events, physical retail, markets, wholesale, etc. So let's explore um, with our experts who who kind of want to highlight that as their key lessons from 2020. Let's do that next. And let's start with Derek Haney from e-commerce tech. And yes, I mentioned him earlier because he's our guest this week on sister podcast, Keep Optimizing, talking about your tech stack. But right now in this episode, the one you're listening to right now, he's getting into how you have to join up your online and offline activity. 2020 has been an interesting year for e-commerce businesses. And I'll take it a little bit further Obviously, retail businesses learned something extremely painful, which I knew for many years, and it was that they were not taking advantage of their their, uh, in-person, real-life experience. They weren't taking the proper advantage of that to bring it online in the right way. So I'll give you the example of Express because I've shopped there in the past when it was open uh, and they do this really well. But a lot of brands just really miss the mark, especially small boutique shops. Maybe, you know, you have a small boutique and an online presence and you're selling through both. A lot of like bakeries and other other kind of uh, restaurants were kind of doing both as well. The what Express does really well that others don't is they get your email address or phone number at the point of sale, and then they incorporate that into their email and SMS and ongoing loyalty and marketing strategy for you afterwards. And I think that 
once retail disappeared overnight, many of these brands were scrambling to start focusing on e-commerce and they hadn't realized that they had the opportunity was there the whole time. They just, you know, they were like, well, retail, we're making this much and e-commerce, we're making this little. And so I think that the, the biggest, you know, learning from 2020 is that you need to tie the, the omni-channel experience needs to be there um, and that you need to um, invest in everything at the same time. It was a, it was really a, a mistaken diversification uh, that left these retail businesses open to high risk uh, things that we we considered outliers. Shutting down the global economy seems like a an unlikely thing to have happen. But there are a lot of different reasons why retail could go out of business, and you would want to have a strong e commerce presence simultaneously. Furthermore, it is not just like icing on the cake for retail. It's actually profit maximizing, which means like you're getting the foot traffic, make more money from these customers. It's your duty to give them more of what they want and to make it easier for them to buy in both what we already know in 2019 and 18 and 17, people are buying in store and then they're rebuying online, right? So we need to make sure that we're we're really bridging the gap. And I know that this you know, is supposed to be more about e-commerce, but I want to talk about like like retails failures in e-commerce over 2020, it really um, frustrates me because it's it's billions of dollars of missed opportunity that they're only seeing in hindsight, and I've known about for years. <laughs> Well, it certainly has been frustrating watching offline businesses fail to succeed with the integration and the pivot to e-commerce in 2020. It's frustrating for those of us who could kind of see it coming, I guess, and who knew it was something that, that I would put on my radar if I was an offline business. But it must have been even more frustrating and a lot harder working in such a business. So all of you who struggled with that in 2020, I feel for you. Um, now, Derek was talking big business there, but of course, offline selling has traditionally been key for many small businesses too. So, building on those lessons learned in 2020, here's Sue Monheit, host of the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, to, to address it from the smaller business angle. Wow, 2020 has been a year that I think none of us <laughs> will forget. For the group of people who are working with me, I define them as gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. And that's important as you listen to what my answer to this question would be. So in the past, before 2020 happened, most people within my community were out at craft shows or they have brick and mortar shops. So the majority of sales are coming in when people are face to face with each other, interacting with each other and getting a vibe and learning and shaking hands and hugging and all of that went away. And so one of the biggest things that we've all learned in 2020 is that you have to have all the different foundational elements in place for your business. And when I say all of them, what I'm talking about is for my community, which won't relate to everybody, but yes, you want those face-to-face -face interactions to be able to take place, but you also need your social media sites ready, not every single one necessarily, the top one or two, ready and active. You need to have an online presence with a shopping cart that works. <laughs> so someone could buy from you online. You need an email 
collection strategy. So somehow we're, because these will be your prospects that are coming in. And then of course, communicating with them through an actual email campaign. So these four, these are the four things that I pretty much call the foundational elements for any business, social media site, website with shopping cart, a way to collect emails for lead generation, and then a a continual communication strategy. In addition to, with my folks, face-to-face interactions. And that is what's happened this year, but in a very hectic way and by necessity because of what we've just lived through. So the thing that I like about having all of this in place, think of these as levers. So heaven forbid this ever happens to us again, where we have to hunker in and only relay rely on online promotion, e-commerce, we can increase those levels and decrease face-to-face interaction if we have to. We can up email collection strategy or um, capturing information through social media sites. All of this really works together, but these levers can be tweaked and increased or decreased based on the situation at hand. But the way to make this really work and to be able to flip the switch quickly is to have them all in place. So the summary is the most important lesson that we learned this year is you have to have all these foundational elements in place. Loving the advice from Sue there. And of course, she's she mainly talks to those small gift crafting businesses, but equally relevant no matter how big your business is. Some really core fundamental advice there. One thing we certainly can't do if we look back at 2020 is to ignore how the customer is telling us they want to blend that online and offline experience. So here's Retis Loris from Omnisend to explain more on that. We learned that you can't ignore industry trends. I would say this is the key learning for commerce in general. We saw currently a lot in those in those past years, a lot of retailers, traditional retailers, which were happily selling on their brick and mortar stores, maybe having a small online presence, but deprioritizing it and not seeing a lot of value in it. We saw that now they are in the way worse position comparing to those who were equally prioritizing their digital presence, their online stores, their digital marketing activities and all those things. So um, I think this is the the key learning. And uh, what actually has happened in 2020, so I believe the main disruption of commerce and retail market in general, I was estimating already for a while that in the period of seven to 10 years, there will be a total blend of uh, traditional commerce or retail and e-commerce, and there will be no boundaries between. There will be just omni-channel commerce where us shoppers customers will be able to buy from like any channel we prefer in any way we prefer so i think that 2020 and the covid has accelerated this by much and this is the key learning i have from 2020 Well, the expert perspectives have been coming thick and fast in this episode. And so far, we've got into customer behaviour changes, the online-offline merging that needs to happen. Um, But there's a lot we haven't yet touched on, and that's going to be coming up up in a moment for you. But first, here's a reminder of our sponsors. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. 
Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS, and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com to book a demo today. Let's change tack a little with uh, Lucy Bloomfield from 10,000 Customers. I think there are two things that I really had big distinctions around in 2020. And it's this, anyone who tells you that it's inappropriate to talk to your customers about what is going on in the world and sell them product through that conversation has massive, massive, massive sales fear and also really toxic ideas around sales. So one thing that I saw in Australia a lot was people were like, it's disgusting that people would write Facebook ads where you talk about COVID and then at the end you make an offer about your product. And all that says to me is that these people have no idea how to sell things because what was on everyone's mind? There was an entire paradigm shift when COVID hit and everyone's lives changed immediately. We didn't care about going on holidays. We didn't care about clothes and fashion. We cared about having enough food because the supermarkets were empty and we cared about being safe because we had no idea what a pandemic looked like because we'd never been through it before. And so if you were to go out into that environment and keep talking about, oh, when you like a nice holiday or, oh, when you like these shoes, people aren't going to respond to that. Really what COVID should have taught everyone is that there's never been a better time to have meaningful conversations with people about what is actually going on in their lives and using those conversations to sell product. That's not wrong. That's sales. The other thing I think as well, while I'm thinking about like the ramifications of clients that had really successful conversations around COVID and selling their product as a result of those conversations is you need to risk mitigate your supply chain. That's not a nice to have, that's a must have because if China shuts down or you can't get your stock into your country because everything's locked down because no staff at the airports, like in the U S um, you're screwed. And it's not uh, a matter of like, well, we'll do that sometime in the future. We don't know when this will happen again. Scientists have been saying for years that SARS and viruses like this are going to become more and more common. And you know what? They are. And you know what? The scientists are right because they also said that they were going to become more intense. This is the most intense virus that we've ever experienced. And there's the potential that it'll keep happening. So risk mitigation is not something that you do sometime in the future. It's something that you do now. We've been skirting around it in several of our experts' um, uh, opinions, but this year has been tough for many. And I expect a lot of you wished you spent more time on risk mitigation and backup plans back in 2019. So you were more ready to pivot and uh, make make those changes you had to make last year easier. Ah, the joy of hindsight. Now, one of the key areas that's been negatively impact is going to be focused on by our next expert guest, who's Ben Woodward from Smart Freight. 
Look, integration is the key. Um, 2020 has taught us that we can't rely on people running into stores, so people are buying more online. And by buying more online, there are more deliveries going from warehouse to customer rather than business to business in pallets. So without integration, without integration to shipping platforms and other platforms, um, your e-commerce business has no hope of getting goods from your warehouse into a consumer's arms. So being fully integrated um, and removing the um, manual effort within your business and your e-commerce environment is crucial. Now, we did a whole episode on this with Ben and Tash from Smart Freight a few weeks ago, number 303, 303, if you want to get stuck into that more. And continuing the theme of risk mitigation, here's our regular expert contributor. I think this is the fifth or sixth year Chris has done this for us. Um, It's Chris Dawson from Bay. I think the most important thing we learned in e-commerce in 2020 is, um, quite frankly, you can't rely on anyone. And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, but the pandemic obviously shook everything up this year. And the first thing we saw were companies like the mighty Amazon closing FBA to incoming products and actually even extending delivery dates out to a month or more. And yet in the past, everyone has known that Amazon are the biggest and best e-commerce operation going, and people ran their entire business on FBA. We've also seen couriers struggling. Obviously, um, I feel for them, but with social distancing and everything and the sudden deluge of parcels that came their way, they just couldn't cope and have been literally operating at Black Friday capacity for nine months of the year. And just about every business out there struggled to come to cope. And I know that everyone's listening, that their own small businesses would have struggled, but the large businesses struggled as well. The likes of eBay, for example, eBay have been brilliant with all of the support they've rolled out, but even they, for their own internal customer support, they suddenly had to migrate everyone in uh, working from home. So you couldn't actually ring customer support for a while um, and, until they got a chance to get themselves sorted. And I think that that really is the lesson that you literally have to be prepared for everything. In another years, we'd have been talking about, well, when it comes around to peak in nine months' time and it's the Black Friday, maybe you should have a reserve courier contract ready to go just in case. But this year, it's been totally different and you've needed emergency plans for the whole year. And even so far as for some people, your staff, they may have been forced to self-isolate at home if they'd come into contact with someone. And suddenly, where do you get spare staff from at the drop of a hat? Do you have friends on standby for your small business? Do you have a contract in place with a recruitment agency that can provide temps? I think that the whole industry has learned a sharp lesson this year, and that is literally you can't rely on anything anymore. You need to have an emergency recovery plan for everything. And yes, this year is a once in a hundred year event, so the politicians tell us. But there will be minor things after the pandemic in the future where things go go wrong again. And you basically have a backup for your backup plan is, is my best advice. And I think that's the biggest lesson we've learned this year. A backup plan for your backup plan. Well, I know I definitely don't have one of those. That's not something that's got to go on my to-do list for the next couple of months. Right. That all got a little depressing. 
and a little workload heavy. So let's lighten things up with our next expert contributor. Here's Matt Edmondson, host of the e-commerce podcast. The most important thing we learned about e-commerce in 2020 is that I think it is bulletproof. And what I mean by that is um, it's kind of the only thing in business that seems to have survived uh, the pandemic well. It's kind of, it's done well with lockdown, hasn't it? And so I think I think it's the resilience of e-commerce and the fact that you can do it and get online quickly and you can pivot and you can change your business strategy and you can get going uh, with e-commerce super quickly, much thicker, much thicker, much quicker than anybody anticipated. Um, and so I love that. I love the fact that like restaurants have gone and got online and they've put their menus online and they've done click and collect. So it's now diverse, isn't it? I love the fact that the little corner shop has gone and said, no, 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 don't shop at Tesco. We'll, we'll get your groceries in and we'll hand deliver them to your house at four o'clock. Just go and order them online. And so I think actually e-commerce has become accessible to just about everybody and every business in 2020. And so it's bulletproof, but it's bulletproof without being, you know, like crazy inaccessible for people. It's become totally accessible for people. And it's given us a new way to think about business, to do business, to pivot our businesses um, and to grow into those areas. And so uh, people have been, you know, taking advantage Maybe to take an advantage of the wrong word. People have had to pivot, haven't they, and do digital. They've had to do e-commerce for their business to businesses to survive. And I've, I've loved to see that. I mean, my own business, you know, it's been a fascinating season. Sales shot through the roof at the start of lockdown. Summer, they just almost disappeared. <laughs> and then now they're sort of picking back up again. And so it's been, it's been a, a quite tumultuous, I think, um, 2020. But we figured it out. And uh, I, I, that's, that for me has been the big takeaway. We're, it's kind of bulletproof, but it's become a lot more accessible. And our final positive word goes to another e-commerce podcaster, Kurt Elster from the unofficial Shopify podcast. The thing we learned about e-commerce in 2020 was how absolutely resilient it is and how phenomenal merchants were at pivoting and adapting like their name was Bear Grylls. They adapted, improvised and overcame the pandemic restrictions so quickly And that was a blessing because it turned out that e-commerce was a lifeline for so many people. And ultimately, that led to Black Friday being e-commerce's biggest revenue day in history. And I don't think you can unring that bell. So ultimately, the thing we learned about e-commerce in 2020 is that it is really, at this point, an unstoppable force. So how on earth to summarise all that? Well, I suppose the key things I take from our experts' insights and from my own experience in 2020 is that it's a year that accelerated a lot of the trends we were already talking about and already experiencing by about five to ten years. That means that the most advanced and far-seeing of us are now playing catch-up, even they're playing catch-up. The rest of us who were maybe ignoring those trends can't afford to do it anymore. But that does mean that it's a great opportunity for you to take your business to another level by capitalising on these big changes. And what are these big changes? Well, 
Customers like to shop wherever they can, and more of them are liking the online experience. So that means we're going to be seeing more and more money spent online by more people. But it also means there's going to be a greater expectation of a seamless cross-channel experience. They want that good experience. They want to be able to buy from your brand as and when and where they want to. Relying on one marketing channel or one route to market is dangerous. You need to find ways to diversify in order to mitigate that risk. You also need backup plans and a setup that enables you to pivot and be flexible, which all means we all have to do more, which means we also need to find ways to streamline our processes and systems to make life easier and let tech take the strain. We're really lucky to be in an industry that fared pretty well in 2020. So now's the time to build on what we've learnt, what we've been forced to adapt to in order to make things even better in 2021. Now, as I've mentioned a couple of times in these episode, this episode even, um, there's a lot in this episode. So I suspect you're going to want to go and grab the notes from today's show, which includes the links to our experts and various free resources they've got for you that relate to what they've been talking about. Plus, you'll get a full transcript of the episode. You can go and access all that, download it all, etc. by heading to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you will see a link to this episode or click on the link to all the episodes and then you'll find this one and that's where you'll find all those goodies. There you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things we share to help you improve your business. Hopefully this episode has inspired you rather than left you feeling overwhelmed. But either way, us here at Ecommerce Master Plan are here to help you. And there's three ways that I can help you to make the most of the opportunity 2021 provides. Firstly, This month on the e-commerce master plan podcast, that's the one you're listening to right now, we are bringing you our e-commerce growth series sponsored by Klaviyo. That's eight whole episodes. So we're going live on Mondays and Thursdays, each of which dives into a different way you can make your business better in 2021. That's the first one. Listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast in our series this month. Number two, On our sister podcast, Keep Optimizing, we are getting into four foundational aspects of e-commerce. That means you can learn how to make your business stronger and ready to face the opportunities and challenges lie ahead. One topic in each of the four episodes we're putting live this month over there. You want to find that? Just search Keep Optimizing on Google or your podcast player of choice in order to find us. And number three is our very special 2021 planning webinar, because this month we're going to be giving you so many ideas that you could use to grow your business. But we all know that success is going to come from working out which of those ideas you should actually do. And that's what our 2021 planning webinar is going to be all about. I'll be joined by some very special guests and we will be telling you more about what's going to be happening in that as the month goes on. Right now, I can tell you two key things about it. It's going to be happening in the first week of February, which means you can get Christmas and the January sales fully out of your hair before we really get into the the detail of what you should be working on in 2021. And you can save your space for free right now by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash webinar. Well, look, thank you for tuning in to this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast and make sure you stay tuned for the rest of our 2021 e-commerce growth series sponsored by Clavio. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help as many e-commerce business owners as possible to succeed and thrive with their business. So please do tell the other e-commerce business owners you know about what we're up to because I'd love to help them too. I hope you have a great week.
Keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.